Hi, I'm Yushuan Su. And I'm Connor Campbell. You're listening to Into the Unknown. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Into the Unknown. Uh, just me and you again today, Connor. That was so energetic for 7am in the morning. Ah, you know me, you know me. uh, (laughs) For those of you who know me, I'm definitely not a morning person. But um, anything for you, anything for the podcast. Yeah, this guy's actually woken up early just to do the podcast because this was a time that I On holiday. Yeah, on holiday. (laughs) Yeah. But we we couldn't not talk about the Football World Cup. Yeah. Given that it's such a big topic. And it's obviously happening at the moment. Hopefully, it's it'll still be happening when we put this out, won't it? Yeah, well, yeah, it goes on until December. Um, we're safe. I mean, where? Yeah, because the US and England are playing second uh, group game on Friday. So <laughs> there's so many memes about that coming out as well. <laughs> about what England about and US? The, yeah, US England game. <laughs> oh gosh. Um, anyway. anyway, so uh, yeah, no, we're safe, and you know, obviously, yeah, the FIFA World, Football World Cup is being held in Qatar at the moment, and yeah. we're we're not we're not a massive, I would say we're not massive football fans or followers. Like we watch the sport. Um, yeah, but this World Cup in particular for me hasn't gone unnoticed in the in the department of like problematic slash controversial issues. That as well as we want to kind of shed a bit of a light on and highlight some of these issues that have been surfacing um, in the lead up and the build up to the World Cup, as well as. The World Cup currently, and and I just find it really interesting because, you know, obviously it's become such a big thing now. But if you kind of look into it, most of these issues have been around for a long time, and they're not isolated to this one singular event. And and you know, like looking back in history, a lot of different um big events such as. FIFA World Cups, football World Cups, and the Olympics, and yeah. and you know big championships in throughout different sports have had the same kind of issues and controversies and and these sort of problematic debates that that's been that's been surfacing. Um, but yesterday I read a stat that yeah, and I, I, I remember reading about it when when Qatar was first um when they first won the bid to hold the world cup uh that was already problematic uh, i remember reading about it and about these accusations and allegations that uh they won the the bid through through you know through bribery yeah basically um and having deep enough pockets to pay everyone off to vote to vote for them to to win the bid and whether or not those allegations are true we're not we're not going to know like it's still in many ways still under investigation but what I was going to say was yesterday I read the stat that 95% of the the workers that that built 
the, the stadium and built the setup for the World Cup were migrant workers, you know, from from other from South Southeast Asian and South Asian countries such as, you know, India, Nepal, Pakistan, um, so on and so forth, kind of a uh, more sort of developing and 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 less uh, less wealthy nations. Um, and so there were, you know, the large majority of, of workers in in Qatar, especially when it comes to building the facilities for the World Cup, have been have been migrant workers. And in that same stat I read, and this is scary, I read that the working conditions are so poor and so dangerous that uh they believe and, and many human rights organizations believe uh, that the death toll um for building just building the stadium and building the facilities have been in the thousands. Yes, I mean, it, just in this one event, there's just so many things to like pick apart. Um, you know, uh, like you, <laughs> what's that? All right, you just yeah, mentioned, it's, it's... you know, human rights issues. You mentioned paying people off, like corruption, um, and also, you know, like uh, we mentioned on the last podcast, which will be coming out this week that uh you know the cost of accommodation the cost of food and like you know the um what's the word i'm looking for the kind of facilities and and how the the fans and staff are being looked after is you know not something that would i guess epitomize uh what a world cup should be um which yeah. is you know a nation that that loves football i don't think i, I mean i didn't even realize that Qatar had a big football following, which I know doesn't necessarily, it doesn't necessarily um, dictate that that nation should get the FIFA World Cup, but at least historically yeah. countries that have been awarded the World Cup. And I think the, um, the actually the FIFA documentary that you mentioned just before we started recording that, that just aired, they, I think they actually mentioned that, Previously in his in history, a lot of the nations, you know, have celebrated football culture, whereas Qatar is one of the first that just doesn't, you know, they have a football team, but they just don't, they aren't particularly um, that, I guess, fussed if you want to put it in English way uh, with did football. You know, like did you know that the uh, the Qatari football team was the first football team in World Cup history to get knocked out in the in the uh, <laughs> The knockout stages in a home World Cup. I didn't actually know. Wow, I didn't <laughs> that, know that. That just goes to show, you know, like that they haven't, like you say, they um, they celebrate the sport, but they obviously haven't got the depth and history. Yeah. Um, in the sport, like other nations do, and and you know, I don't think that necessarily means that they haven't got um, the right to hold the World Cup, or or you know that these events should be exclusive to to countries and nations that are traditionally you know football yeah football orientated um because you know that's how you develop sport you know you give the sort of developing and emerging nations a chance to get you know a chance to have these opportunities to to be on the world stage but at the same time it, it was quite sort of questionable as to how they got there in the first place mm. um and you know you make a good point like that 
they put by the way the documentary fifa uncovered on netflix highly recommend yeah um but as well as the question or one of the big questions is like given given the amount you know the amount of money that they've put into not only fifa definitely fifa but as well as just everything in terms of just building the facilities from scratch like they've got nothing mm. you know they, they had like people don't play football generally speaking in Qatar. like it's not like they've got stadiums everywhere like they had to build a brand new stadium and everything is brand new um I suppose one of the big questions is like why 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 put on such a big fight to host mm. a big event like this? Like what is the incentive? Because uh, yeah, like a lot of countries do that, you know, and, and it's it's such a big goal for many countries to hold big events. Um historically you see like I don't know, like South Africa, for example, um for with like Nelson Mandela loved sports, you know, from the '95 World Cup to then, so then putting a bid and winning the bid to hold the the FIFA World Cup as well, you know, like for many countries it means so much to hold these big sporting events. And but like, why? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be able to answer that either, to be honest with you. Um, you know, I, I mean, I guess it goes back to a couple of you know episodes ago. I usually always reference these because sometimes, you know, we find ourselves saying stuff and I'm like, oh, actually, that's good to refer back to. Um, so apologies for those that are listening that haven't listened to the last couple of episodes or, you know, an episode. Well, it's maybe... their fault, man. Yeah. <laughs> why am I apologizing? Don't, don't listen. Why, why are you um, apologizing? They should be listening. Yeah, and it means but... that we're learning. It Absolutely. We're um, but I, I, I can't remember if it was a guest that mentioned it or if we mentioned it. Uh but, you know, they mentioned that, you know, countries, you know, hosting a big event, World Champs, World Cup, the Olympics, so on and so forth, is a big, uh, it's bragging rights, essentially, that they have, have held this, I guess, globally recognized competition. Um, and football yeah. is the most watched sport in the world. And oh, yeah, at least the mind. most played sport in the world as well and so that for me would would probably be a good starting point as to why they've put that bid in is because they you know this is obviously based on my opinion but from some of the human rights issues that have come out and and i know that i would like to get into a couple of others that have recently just come out about the one love armband and so on and so forth but before yeah. we get into that you know a lot of people are going to be watching it and a lot of people who place play football, I know they're going to be watching it. So for them, they almost want to be seen to be a country that is um, looks after their population. Yeah, yeah. You know, they do everything by the book. Uh, you know, and so on and so forth. Which, as is coming out, you know, it's like a leaking pipe. Um, there's things that have come out of the pipe work of the pipeline that. It's just been slowly trickling out, but now I feel like there's just cracks everywhere. Um, you know, and people are picking apart this that first of all started with bribery and then corruption, and you know, it's turned into a whole host of of you mentioned just before that you know the the workers for the Qatar 2022 
about 80% of them were migrant workers. You know, they didn't actually work. Yeah. You know, yeah. they don't live and they are, they aren't Qatari. They don't live and they don't, you know, they, they weren't born in Qatar. Um, but what, what the, what the hell are, are the locals doing? Like if, if you have to pay, if you have to pay, like I, obviously I understand that Qatar is a very rich country, but why not give Qatar local business? Is it because it's cheaper or because they can? Oh yeah, much cheaper. Like yeah. it's basically cheap migrant, migrant labor um, from, from, you know, less wealthy countries and, and countries where, you know, migrant work actually earns more in comparison to what they would earn at home but in many ways it's it's there's higher risk it's more dangerous it's it's very um low pay and poor working conditions um yeah. in in the standard of that country but i think it's really interesting uh you mentioning you know all the other things that have surfaced since the corruption scandal and the bribery that sort of thing the backlash has been a lot about you know how in Qatar, it's it, it, there's very few like LGBTQ plus rights, yeah. um, and you know it's illegal. It's illegal. To... Yeah, I was just about to say it's. <laughs> yeah, it's... <laughs> That's I how mean, bad yeah. the rights are. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, there are no rights. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, and you know there's that, and then obviously a huge, huge inequalities, um, uh, and you know, women's rights, you know, there's, it's that, um, they have much fewer kind of rights and that sort of thing than, than the men do in, in a very typical, uh, fundamental Islamic state, um, mm-hmm. and things like that. And, and, you know, like when we talk about inclusion and, and inclusivity and, and equality and sport, which is by the way, like included in, the FIFA declaration. Yeah. Um. I I wouldn't I wouldn't single out Qatar as a country that is inclusive and and equal, um, uh, inside and outside of football. Like. Yeah. It, yeah. Exactly. I mean, if we're just touching on kind of LGBT, you know, you mentioned that they have very little rights. Well, they have no rights at all. Um, you know, and what I find interesting, so just rewinding the clock, Qatar won the bid for 2022 back in 2010. And so they've had, you know, 12 years to, uh, one, build a sustainable infrastructure for locals to be able to actually, you know, get some business, um, to, you know, actually decide whether it's something that they 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 should be complying with you know fifa have set out a lot of things like we don't want any discrimination we want the game to be open for everybody open to all cultures religions and so on and so forth qatar in 2020 were like no problem guys that's absolutely fine um and this is what's surfacing about the one love armband as well um back in 2020 they mentioned that they would allow flags like the rainbow flags to be flown from all the stadiums but in 2022 they've decided that they no longer will be 
um you know so they've just waited two years and then the 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 game's open and they go now sorry we've changed our mind like it's um and then you know kind of one thing that i really wanted to point out as well which really did anger me before i go on to the one love was uh there was i can't remember the name of the ambassador but he's the qatari ambassador I don't remember his name, but I remember him saying in a news report uh, that homosexuality was a damage in the mind. Um, Yeah. And the fact that he says that in public and people know that he says that ahead of like ahead of the world's probably the world's biggest sporting event. You know, obviously, the Olympics is a very big thing. Every country competes. Um, but yeah, I was just absolutely shocked. And then the other thing, you know, going into the one love, uh, armband controversy, I've seen a lot of people sharing stuff on social media. Um, and actually, you know, our country, um, England, Harry Kane was, was planning to wear the armband. Uh, it's like a multicolored design armband. If, if people are watching, they, they don't know like a multi, basically it's the rainbow flag for LGBT uh q plus um and it was designed to promote inclusion and send a message against discrimination so loads of countries captains were planning on wearing them but then fifa ended up saying that if you wear them you could receive yellow cards um and 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 so loads of teams captains basically went oh you know i'm not trying to like put pressure on those captains or whatever but I don't know. I just feel like at some point, like someone could have stood up and said, nah, fuck that. I'm going to wear the armband. I don't give a shit if Mm -hmm. I get a yellow card. You know, I don't know. It's just, it's such a shame because it, it, what I get that it's just a token gesture. Like, is anything going to change? I don't know if it will, but it's the same as, you know, when you mentioned in a couple of episodes ago, like clapping for the NHS, fuck all happened after that. Yeah. So for all intents and purposes, it was useless. It was just a token gesture. But the fact that they've now banned that token gesture is, I think, even worse. The fact that people can't wear them. Um, oh, yeah, absolutely. I don't know. It's just yeah, it's just such a shame to I see. Mean, it puts them in a difficult situation in terms of the players and the captains. Like They're there to do a job at the end of the day. You know, the job is to to play football and if things if something like that means that they can't then that you know that's not they're not doing their job and they're not doing what they've they're being paid to do like and they've been selected to do by their country you know um so i get that um and the other thing is like it's i think quite important to remember that um and actually this was said in an interview um with a Qatari uh, refugee in the US who who, who was persecuted for, for being gay. Um, and he basically said that, you know, this, and this was back in 2021 when Qatar said that they will welcome uh, the members from the LGBTQ plus community to, to come watch the World Cup and they'll be safe and blah, blah, blah. Um, and he basically said that, you know, you can go to the World Cup and 
wave the wave wave the pride flag and, and celebrate being gay etc uh and you'll be safe but before you get there and after you leave like that changes nothing about yeah. the situation of the lgbtq plus community in qatar you know they're still not safe they're yeah, still exactly. being persecuted they still don't have the rights that you do yeah um so you know in doing that you're almost turning a blind eye to the reality that is that that that, that community is actually facing day in and day out and will be facing probably even harder um after the world cup you know after the final after the last whistle is blown um so you know like whatever front they put on um for for the world cup and for the world stage at the end of the day like the people in the background who have been suffering will be suffering long after that as well yeah absolutely um um but you know to to kind of broaden the conversation a little bit i suppose like you know we often talk about uh, and we actually spoke a lot about it last episode as well um about how you know hosting hosting a big event like the world cup with the olympics and stuff like that puts almost automatically puts a kind of it validates it validates the nation or, or it puts a kind of positive um positive perspective on the host nation and it gives them an opportunity to shine a a positive light of, of on themselves and put out a good image of themselves and then you know that's that's actually a term called uh the, we kind of refer to as sports washing where you take you use sports to to you know, put out a often inaccurately positive image of of yourself or your nation and that sort of thing. And, and in many ways, that's kind of what Qatar is trying to do at the moment. It's in many ways what you know. This is this isn't this isn't new. It's not exclusive to Qatar. You know, there's there was just within world like football World Cup, for example, twenty eighteen in Russia. Um. Yeah. while they were while they were already disputing ukraine for years you know yeah um and then we go back to as far as say like the 1978 world cup in argentina um when it was an authoritarian regime that ruled argentina mm. um and then probably most famously like the 1936 yeah uh, summer exactly. olympics um the, the hitler olympics you know yeah um when when german german athletes were on the podium they they held hitler um yeah. and you know that and it's it's mad and like pretty sad if you think about it the fact that i guess um it's at least sad for naive people like myself and maybe you that like sports allows itself to be to be bought and, and and controlled by 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 these people um mm. that have i suppose values and and actions that are very much 
against and contradictory to to what we should be standing for and i think we can agree on some of those things um broadly speaking with things like equality and inclusion and and, and safety and stuff like that you know yeah, um absolutely but then allow them to kind of present this falsely positive image of themselves in terms of those of those things and i think a lot of people don't really see that you know they don't like because for a lot of us we just watch the sport as it is you know we read we might read some news articles and we might uh see something on the news or a documentary a cool documentary comes out on netflix like oh have you seen that new fifa documentary how mad is that but then nothing else kind of transpires, right? Which is which is yeah. mental. I think mean, I know on the surface, you know, there's not really much that that I could do personally. But at least being aware of the situation and having those open conversations means that, you know, the the, the term that you used was really cool, and I didn't know what it was before. Uh, before today, to be honest with you, that sport washing is like, it's almost like laundering one's reputation through sport, yeah. which is crazy. It's like a criminal organization, basically, yeah, exactly. in sport to to cover their, you know, the shit that they've done, uh, yeah. like through ownership or tournament or whatever it might be. Um, you know, and it's not just like, an individual i'm talking like states and politicians as well can sometimes mm -hmm. get involved but like drawing back to the fact that you mentioned the 1936 uh you know i hit the olympics or nazi olympics whatever you want to call it um you know people might think that this is just involved in, in football but even just this year alone in 2022 like examples of sport washing in my opinion the winter olympics in china uh the World Cup in Qatar. Uh, and even I know that some people that might watch this aren't fans, but WWE uh, hosted the Elimination <laughs> Chamber event in, in Saudi Arabia. Did they? You know, yeah, yeah. So That's those are mad. three big events in 2022 that for all intents and purposes, you know, is basically sport wash, like sport wash central uh, to yeah. use your term. I know, obviously, it's it's kind of hard to kind of pin on terms of like what these people have done and what people use, but um, just to sort of address like the elephant in the room, you know, um, yeah. going back to talking about Russia and Ukraine, first of all, uh, and, yeah. you know, Roman Abramovich, probably one of the most well-known football players, uh, club owners in the world i'm pretty sure that everybody who knows football would know or at least have heard of roman abramovich russian oligarch uh was trying to sell london um trying to sell london trying to sell london's club chelsea uh you know before the british government san sanctioned him um oh. and my my dad is a, is a big fan of Newcastle United. They've just been bought by well, not just been bought, but they've been recently purchased by Saudi Arabia. Um, mm. And I'm not talking like you know a shake. I'm talking they've been bought the by thing. the state. <laughs> they've been bought by the state of Saudi Arabia. How do you let that happen? 
Yeah. Because now that's yeah. essentially like, well, Newcastle United could be a political vessel for Saudi Arabia. Yeah. And I like almost undoubtedly it will be. Um, Which is a shame. Really is. And it's really it's insane. And, and, you know, it's, it's sad that we allow this to happen. And, and yeah. I, I understand that there's not much that people like you and I can do. Um, yeah. You know, it's, it's much bigger than we are but and and if you look at say um for example uh the the world cup the football world cup in russia in 2018 like there were a lot of protests um uh, against holding it in russia you know uh, there was a lot about the racism in russia and russian football as well as the conflict with ukraine and stuff like that um yeah so there were a lot of people actively um opposed to the world cup being held in russia um but in many ways like after the first whistle they they made it once they made it to the first kickoff they were safe you know all of that pretty much disappeared as soon as the first whistle was blown and everyone was engaged in the sport um you know if we look at uh, you mentioned the Winter Olympics in Beijing, where, uh, for whatever reason, and I don't have particular stance on this, but um, for whatever reason, there were there were countries who, you know, diplomatic, like diplomatically boycotted um, the Winter Olympics, and you know, it was it was in the media a lot, and there were a lot of press about why maybe Beijing. Uh, shouldn't be holding the Winter Olympics, and how China as a as a nation shouldn't be. Um, but you know, and you you know as as well as anyone, like as soon as the sport started, um, that all kind of faded away, and it's such a balancing act. Like as viewers, we want to engage in the sport, and and we don't, yeah. you know, it's still watching some of the biggest sporting events um, and the best in the world compete. And then for people like you, like your job was to go to the Winter Olympics and coach and exactly. perform. Like you don't have time for the other shit. <laughs> and, yeah. And in many ways, like, and obviously that's, that's your obligation and your duty and, and you're not, you've done nothing wrong, but, um, and neither have any of the other staff and athletes of, of any of these events but mm. it goes to show that like as long as we keep subscribing to these events in our roles whether that be through viewership or or competition or you know so on and so forth like they'll still keep going you know yeah and i mean yeah, you you know, you said it perfectly that like this is why the term whitewashing has been has become so kind of mainstream now. Not not whitewashing as a whole, but the name whitewashing, because like you said, you know, a lot of people rely on sport to earn money. I am one of those people. You know, if if we did end up boycotting the Olympics or world champs or whatever because it was in certain countries then I could potentially lose out on money. So it it is it is almost a very hypocritical stance that I take because as much as I sit here and criticize, you know, 
um, the events happening well before 2022 in Beijing, I still proceeded to take myself over to Beijing. And because it was work, you know, um, did I feel guilty about that? Yeah. If if I'm, if I'm not lying to myself, of course I did because I'm a fucking human being with feelings and, you know, I want people to be treated fairly and evenly. And that wasn't happening. But at the same time, I'm not paid enough to not go. You know, my job (laughs) relied on me to go and support my athlete. Mm. Um, You know, and so did the national governing body. And that's why whitewashing works so well. You know, it's it's because it is literally, um, you know, it's a a very costly form of propaganda. Um, Yeah. Um, but it works like a hundred percent it because does. it's bigger than us it's bigger than the athletes it's bigger than the federations it's it's bigger than everyone watching you know it's, yeah and we in many ways have no control over that like look at all the football teams uh in Qatar yeah. at the moment like they've got to do their job and so i think uh, i wanted to point out as well like how kind of admirable it is that actually the iranian team um yeah has did you see that they they kind of they've not signed their anthem and they've spoken out against their government and in solidarity yeah. with the the victims of, of the the persecutions in iran and, and the way that the women are being treated and stuff like that um like they're for sure going to be the shit when they go home. But 100%. um yeah but you know they're able to do that um and still play which I think is is worth mentioning. It's very incredible. Yeah, I, I I completely agree with you. I don't have anything to add to that. I think, and I'm glad you brought that up as well because that's something that I wanted to touch on. Um, originally they were supposed to be banned from the World Cup. Yeah. Um. Yeah. You know, because of blocking Iranian women from watching and competing in sport, and also their involvement in supplying weapons to to Russia. Um, you know, obviously, as well as the human rights violations in the protests, um, which you just mentioned, but it's worth mentioning that a hundred percent, uh, and I'm glad, I'm glad that you did. So I guess, you know, we've started this podcast off on, uh, this episode, sorry, on, uh, some two pretty heavy kind of terms, um, one question I wanted to ask you as well to kind of like push the conversation along is, you know, you've mentioned like why and how countries can kind of still do this, you know, despite protests, despite boycotts, despite, uh, you know, the fact that sport is larger than all of us. Um, you know, if fans continue to watch it and pay for it, then it, it for all intents and purposes might always be there. Um, but how do we like how do we address these problems? You know, you just briefly mentioned about the Iranian team standing up to their government. And mm. I'm putting you in the hot seat here, but you know, as individuals, I guess we've kind of both given some examples of, of things we can do, but just to kind of maybe spin a little bit of a yeah. a lighter <clears throat> mood to to uh to the topic <laughs> if we can do that obviously it's it, it is a i mean i don't topic. know man I, I, uh, to be honest i don't know and we might as well end the episode here but, um, <laughs> you know like i think like i say it's 
we're work we're working with forces that are a lot bigger than us. Yeah. Um I think um highlighting these issues in these different platforms, I think that that helps. Yeah. And um, you know that that at least awareness of it um makes an impact, you know, I think and I think that's what's happened at this specific World Cup in Qatar. Like I've never seen like so much sort of widespread um information about all the issues that have been happening leading up to the World Cup and even now I'm seeing stuff. Um and and they they've blown the first whistle like they're well well into the competition and people are still talking about it, which is great. Um so I think that's a big part of it. I think yeah, spreading awareness and 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 sharing these things and talking about it um so that everyone sees it for what it is, you know, yeah. I think is is vital. And and you know, I always go back and we always go back to that episode we had with um Tim Harper, um ex CEO of Equity Sport, um who said that you know we can't just play with the people we want to play with. We can't just play with the people yeah. we agree with. We have to play with everyone. And that's what sports is about. So it's not about like, I suppose, uh, blocking or ignoring the nations uh, who who maybe have some different values to us and, and, and things that we disagree on, but actually just engaging with that conversation and including them. Um, but highlighting them for what they are yeah yeah i think i think you're right you know i i uh i don't really have much to add to that because you know you are more of the expert in this field than i am and like i say you know we're very small uh fish in a very large sea um in the ocean bro in the ocean we do a little bit of research on on these podcasts because we do, we do want to be well we do want to be well informed right uh we don't want to just kind of talk <laughs> out, talk out of our ass i know that i definitely we still could. do sometimes yeah we, yeah i agree um i read uh i was reading an article today actually which was about sport washing and they suggested uh here's what they suggested you can stop being fans and I'm like, okay, yeah, I, yeah, okay, but it seems kind of that seems kind no, that's, of that's bullshit. A big stretch. I don't think that that on a singular level is going to make any difference to you. Um, you know, like let's say for example, you're um, <laughs> I was just about to make a joke, but I don't know if it's a bit too much i was going to say uh rather than watching the world cup or, or for newcastle fans their own team um maybe a bit too tongue-in-cheek given what's, <laughs> what we've just said but you know that like one fan not watching football is not going to make a difference um yeah you know but but also that they shouldn't stop being fans it's like yeah you know when you um when when you live in a country and you're from that country, you criticize the government. They'll be like, if if they just say, "Oh, well, you can leave," yeah, like that's not right. Like that's yeah, yeah. And also, 
you know, the point that you just made as well, if they stop being fans, then sport washing will continue. Because yeah. organizations yeah. don't give a shit if you're watching sport. They don't care. Yeah. They just care about the political views on um oh there's two of you now. <laughs> they don't care about the kind of political views and you know everything that else is happening. Because, you know, they they just don't care. Um yeah. but on the flip side you mentioned it perfectly. You know, what they can do is they can take the burden on of, of raising awareness, you know, to fans, to friends, to, you know, other people. And I guess that trickle up effect, um, yeah. you know, because ultimately organizations, they are the only ones that are going to be able to change this. Our hands are pretty much tied. Uh, yeah. You know, to give you an example, like Saudi Arabia shouldn't have been able to buy... Newcastle. Um, yeah. The fact that they bought it just after uh, the Khashoggi murder, like they should just not have been able to buy a club. You know, <laughs> yeah. Just like, just don't do that. Man. Yeah. You know, the fact that, well, first of all, they're a state, you know, buying a club. Um, but like the Premier League shouldn't have allowed that that purchase to happen. And I think it's their yeah. responsibility to be like, okay, hold on a sec. We have a state, or not even a, just a state, but we have someone who wants to own this football club. Let's do a little bit of digging, like a little bit of dirt digging, because like, to, to bring it into more of like a local level, and we've mentioned this in the past, and I'm sure... You know, you are probably very aware of this as an athlete, as an individual. Yeah. If you yeah. say anything on social media or if you post anything, it will always come back and haunt you. But with big organizations and owners who buy these football clubs, it's almost like it's just swept under the carpet. Um but why I don't understand why they don't do almost like background checks or like are they fit and proper to to run and own this football club? Because I don't think the Premier League did that. Um, and I'm not just talking about the Premier League, you know. I, I guess I'm just kind of singling out, uh, you know, Saudi Arabia and, and so on and so forth. But I've done quite a lot of talking uh, and I probably didn't really get anywhere, which is usually, usually what happens. <laughs> no, usually I, what... I mean, I think that, did you like my slick transition, by the way? What's that? Did you like my slick transition from my laptop to my phone? I did, yes. Uh, it was barely <laughs> noticeable, actually. Yeah, do, do I still sound the same? You do, you still do. The same, same <laughs> annoying voice, but um, sorry about that. But um, yeah, I, I, I mean, it's it's a tough situation, isn't it? And it goes to show again, we're dealing with voice is much greater than us and, and like you say like when we do something there is so much backlash yeah um even the smallest things and you know we you and i have both had like through our programs both had um things like media training or at least like being briefed and prepped on what we are and aren't allowed to say and stuff like that and as soon as we're like slightly we step out of that line like we're fucked um yeah, yeah. and then 
you move upwards and upscale and you look at sort of the executive community community committee members of uh fifa or you look at um these nations that are putting in bids to host the olympics and stuff like that and they like they do share they get away with it basically yeah uh, yeah. Uh, yeah i mean i don't i personally don't have a solution and that's not surprising i mean you know when we're dealing with this um but i yeah i go back to what we say like it's we should continue to play with people we don't want to play with but we should at the same time continue to be aware of everything that's happening and yeah. raise awareness about everything that's happening and um you know help shine a light on on these issues and, and hopefully create be part of creating sort of a fairer more equal and inclusive sporting world like wherever in the world it's being held yeah absolutely um one thing that i wanted to share actually which i might link in the description of uh the this episode uh is a blog uh that i was reading maybe just before we came on this podcast actually uh i'm not gonna kind of read from the hymn sheet or whatever but it does a really good job of kind of how do you prevent sports washing um and it's from the it's from the perspective of um you know abramovich and the premier league uh they've got they basically line out like a two-tier legislative response um which in reality you know you mentioned there's not a lot of things that we can do you and i individually um but having these conversations and being able to take it to, you know, debate about these types of things where the big wigs can actually take it into, you know, international international law and have legislative responses. Because it is, it's not just about sport anymore. You know, um, so it, it's a difficult argument for us to continue to keep making if we don't have the backing of, say, in England, like the Department of Culture, Media and Sport, or now, oh, sorry, no, it's it's now Digital Culture, Media and Sport. Um, it used to be just uh, just sport. Uh, yeah, but yeah, that's all I got to say on that. Hopefully, we did it justice. Um, you know, I, I mean, feel like we, yeah, hopefully we yeah. can take something away from that and not feel completely helpless. Absolutely. But guys, if you've got any questions, if you've got any feedback, um, if you want to, I don't know, even just get involved in a counterpoint, it would be interesting to get a guest on that has either opposite opinions or the same opinions. Um, That'd be brave. Opposite opinions about sports, washing. Like, I mean, <laughs> uh, yeah, like, come on. Come it would be brave, podcast. but, you know, we might have a listener from Saudi Arabia or Qatar. You never know. Stranger things have happened. Anyway, before we... uh, We'll leave it there. Uh, Before we get cancelled. Before we get (laughs) cancelled. Guys, thank you so much for listening to another episode of... Into the Unknown. So, Yushwag, do you want to plug where people can find you? 
Yeah, so on Instagram, I am at yushuan.su.eventing. On Facebook, I am yushuan.su.eventing. And my website is suyushuaneventing.com. What about you, Connor? Mine is at Connor Lift Stuff on Instagram and at Stoic Strength Systems on Instagram. And we also just set up a Patreon under the same name, Stoic Strength Systems. So give those a follow. I will put the links all down in the description if I figure out how to do it. Thank you for listening to this episode. Make sure you like, share and subscribe to the podcast on wherever you listen to your podcasts. And we'll see you next time.